Hey, and welcome to episode 48 of Orla's Happy Hormones podcast. And I've had to redo the intro to this episode because this week's episode was, was actually meant to go out last week on Friday the 13th. Yeah, Friday the 13th of March. And I love Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th is a lucky day for me. But I ended up having to switch things up because of the way the world has gone. Uh, this episode is a part two on a series of sex episodes that I wanted to do for a while but with the coronavirus and us being in a it's so weird saying it but us being in a pandemic I felt the need to to talk about it and talk about how you can boost your immune system and about how the fear has become a pandemic in itself and I just wanted to address the topic of coronavirus last week just to help try and subdue any fears that people were having because I I remember meeting a friend and he had said to me the problem and the panic are two very different things and it's very true and that's why I decided to switch up the episodes and put one in around what's going on in the world right now for last week. So for this week I'm delving deeper into sex topics. Well not that I'm delving deeper into them but I am just going further with it. When it comes to sex there are so many topics to have or to have conversations around. There are so many areas to discuss. There's so many taboos there's so many everything and I spoke about that in last week's episode or not last week's episode the week before I spoke about the taboo around sex and how it's still not socially acceptable to talk openly about it and it's an area that I feel we really do need to start opening up the conversations with and opening up a space where we can have these these talks and these conversations because in reality, sex is a huge part of all of our lives. It can be a huge part of our lives in a positive or a negative way. And I think there are a whole host of areas that need to be discussed. So that's why I'm going with the little mini series within the podcast. And from so far anyway, I'm, I'm getting a lot of good feedback from it. There's a lot of people who I've heard heard or heard from or heard say that they're glad someone's talking about these topics. Now there's loads of people talking about these topics so it's just a matter of finding the right resources. But I do feel, especially in Ireland, that we need to open up this conversation a bit more. And I'm hoping that I'm creating a safe space where you can take whatever information it is that you need or whatever information is meant to hit you will hit you um but for now we'll get started and i hope you enjoy this week i'm doing part two of the sex episodes and in last week's when I spoke about the likes of poor libido and why that happens and the likes of the genetic coding that's passed down from our ancestors and how we 
we're literally wired to not want sex in stressful times. Then I also spoke about painful sex and how you can bring intimacy into the bedroom without actually having to have penetrative sex. And then I briefly spoke about the likes of energetics and tantra and kundalini and the importance of self-love, in other words, masturbation. Even that term masturbation is a bit of a taboo word, so I'm trying to use it as much as possible lately (laughs) to try and desensitize people to it. And again, I probably went TMI on the masturbation side of things, but for those of you who follow me, you know that's me. Very limited filter. (laughs) But these are all areas that I feel need to be discussed and talked about. Now, what I will say from the get-go is that I am not a sex therapist. I am not a sex expert. I am just a woman, a red-blooded woman who has had sexual relations. So clinical, I know. But I'm a red-blooded woman who enjoys sex, who has had many different experiences when it comes to sex. Highs, lows, in ups and downs, whatever. And I'm somebody who is fascinated by psychology, psychotherapy and behaviour. And especially when it comes to relationships and sex. Because these are... They're the found, not the foundations of relationships, but they're a huge part of relationships, be it in a positive or a negative way. And I feel because we don't talk about them enough, and I'm not sure if that's a cultural or a societal thing, because of us being in Ireland and we do have a genetic, we do have a genetic. Uh, coding with the whole Catholic Ireland and with the likes of the shame and the sin that surrounds sex and masturbation and anything intimate if it's outside of wedlock if it's between two people of the same sex if it's whatever and I just feel that these are areas that we need to open up a conversation with And we need to have a safe space where people can actually talk about things in an open way. Because it's just a conversation. So this week I want to talk on a few more topics. And again, look, I get a lot of private messages around sex topics. And it's the reason why I'm doing this these few episodes is because they're they're very common questions that are coming in all the time and I want to be able to address them not on a 15 second Instagram story I love doing my Q&A's but I I can't go in depth in them so I want to address them here on the podcast but just like I said so you're aware that I'm not a sex therapist and I'm not a sex expert I'm just someone who does an awful lot of research and reading into everything because it fascinates me. Sex, life, behaviour, psychology, health, wellness, all that jazz. 
But one top one question I always get is how can I become more open talking about sex with my partner? And that's a huge question that comes in all the time. Then there's a, a couple other topics as well which have been brought to my attention from people through Instagram and Facebook and then also from friends. Um, one that I really want to speak around is porn. I've had many conversations with different friends around this. And look, I have my own opinions and I'm just going to say it. That's all there are my opinions. They're my opinions and they're also from delving into different webinars and different research papers and whatever. But from a lot of research into today's world of technology and how accessible it is, I feel it's something that does need some addressing. And then another topic I I feel is extremely important to touch on is sexual violence or sexual assault or sexual abuse. Because this is a conversation that needs to be had. Countless women and men, but because my audience is predominantly women, I am bringing it from a female point of view, but countless women have been assaulted in some way, shape or form from an attack by a stranger to, which is a lot more common, spousal rape or intimate relationship violence. And many of these women have gone through this silently. So it is a topic that I know is heavy, but I really do want to address. And no doubt there will probably be even more podcasts on this further down the line with more information. But for now, I'm sticking with just a couple of or three topics in each episode. I'm really just kind of hitting the tip of the iceberg with these episodes on all topics. So we'll get started and hopefully I can answer a lot of questions that have been sent in to me through Instagram and Facebook and hopefully you get something from it. So the first one, opening up the conversation. This can be a tough one, but the only reason it is a tough one is because of fear. Humans have an innate fear of rejection. And again, this goes back to our ancestors. Back in the day, if you did something wrong or if you said something wrong, you would be cast out from your tribe. This in turn, really, it actually meant death as you were no longer welcome in the hut or the cave. Behaviorally, this has been passed down through genetics for our survival. I've spoken about epigenetics and our genetic coding when it comes to hormones in the past. And this is very much similar. So like back in times of like the caveman and right up to like the, the late 1800s, mid to late 1800s, if you did or said something that offended like the elders or people of your, commun- of your community, you would literally be cast aside. There'd be no food, no shelter, no connection, no sense of belonging. And that was detrimental for, for your life. This in turn has filtered down into our behavioural tendencies now. 
So now if you, if you were to bring something up that you fear may risk a rejection, like your genetic codes of becoming a, a cast out or an outcast or whatever, they're being activated. What our genetic brains don't actually realize though is that we no longer live in caves or huts or dictatorships. Well, to a certain degree, here in Ireland, we don't live in a dictatorship to a certain degree. But in the context of this, bringing up a, a topic of sex isn't going to make us an outcast. So when we do bring up new topics of conversation or conversations we're really afraid that we'll be shut down with we're actually risking that rejection that feeling of being cast out and it hits us right in our survival spectrum it's also putting ourselves in a place of vulnerability and again that vulnerability can be really really uncomfortable and then when you are wanting to bring up the topic of sex or new sexual positions or even just telling your partner what it is that you like or that something that you want, you are putting yourself in a position of vulnerability. But with vulnerability brings connection. When we can have the courage to put ourselves out there with someone, with another human being, we're opening up a massive possibility of a deeper connection but how to go about doing that is it's different for different scenarios and different situations it all depends really on like the likes of how long you're with your partner or how able are you to talk to your partner or even talk about other like difficult topics or how you would argue or things like that. So it's all about gauging the relationship with whatever person it is that you're trying to bring this topic up with. Like, are you both open to having conversations? Are you both open to sitting down and discussing things? Or would it be more of a closed off situation? Or relationship where you can't discuss these things. It, it's all very individual. And especially to each and every relationship because they're all different. But what I will say is that for a lot of women, when it comes to opening up like this, when it comes to opening up uh, to being vulnerable when it comes to our sexuality, there needs to be an element of safety and security. Security is huge. And again, this is nature. We need to feel comfortable and secure with someone to show our wants or our needs. So like if you're in a healthy relationship over a longer period of time, it can be easier to tell your partner what it is that you like. It can be so much easier to open up that conversation because you have that sense of security and you know that you know you're not going to be cast out anyway that because that's a, a, an irrational fear. But it's also a genetic coding fear. So it's remembering that. But if it's a new relationship, that 
fear, that cast out fear, that genetic coding can be a lot stronger because there isn't as much security. So it's always going back to remembering that you're not going to be left aside to die, that you will be okay. The ego may get a little bit bruised, but that's also okay. But that's also okay because, again, you're not going to actually die. You're not going to be left to fend for yourself, for food, for life, for anything. Not anything, but your immediate life isn't at risk. A bruised ego can be healed. But presuming that you are in a long-term relationship, you'll know your partner and you'll know how to broach any sort of topic with them, any subject. My advice would be to set up a date night. Dinner at home, a drink. Now, one drink, not five. Just for some liquid courage, but you don't want too much because you don't want to be drunk going into this. And gently bring it up. Tell them that you saw or read something online that sparked your interest, something that you'd really, really like to try. If it's a new position, have it, have it ready to show them. Something I always say is go buy a book on Kama Sutra. Look through it together and get excited about it together. What I will say is that you'll actually have a great laugh going through it together. Flicking through those pages and being like, oh, that's not going to happen. My hip won't do that. Not sure if that's accessible for us. Or, oh, I like that. That looks interesting. How about we try that one? It can bring you closer, but you can also actually have a great laugh with it too. So it's just being open to... having fun with it and just going with it and going with the conversation then another area where a lot of women feel a bit embarrassed around is lingerie like if you want to start wearing lingerie just go and buy some when it comes to body confidence and things like that women feel that they are that they can't wear certain things because they won't look as good as the magazines or the women on TV and blah, blah, blah. This is real life. There is lingerie for every size and shape. And if it makes you feel good, you go and you buy some and you wear it. And if you're worried about what your partner will think, trust me, they're going to like it. They may get a shock at first, but they're going to like it. And if you're worried that they may get a shock or if you're worried that they won't like it, What I would suggest is going into a shop, seeing something that you like, take a picture of it in the shop and send it on to them. Put a little wink emoji in or a question mark and then see what their response is. By doing this, you're actually already preparing them for it. You're giving them advance notice that this may be something that's going to come and it's not shocking them in the moment. They're getting a little pre-warning. And if it's something that they're not interested in, but you are, still go and buy the lingerie. If you like it, 
just buy it for yourself. I'm quite vocal on how much I hate bras. Can't stand them. So uncomfortable. But I'm, I'm lucky. I'm very much aware of how lucky I am that I'm the queen of the itty bitty titty committee. So I don't have to wear a bra. But I love lingerie. Immensely so. And not for... It's not that I love it for any sexual partner. I love it for myself. I feel extremely feminine and sexy and sensual when I'm wearing it. Like, just for me. I'll go into town wearing some known full well that no one knows or no one is going to know that I'm wearing it because it's not for anyone else. But it makes me feel good. So... When it comes to lingerie, what I will say is if you like it, but you're afraid to wear it for your partner, still buy it and wear it for yourself and see how it makes you feel. Because at the end of the day, it is actually about how you feel yourself. If it makes you feel sexy, then you wear it. If it gives you confidence, you wear it. And then, like I said, take the picture, send it on to your partner and let them suss it out first. Give that pre-warning and see how they feel about it. Like broaching all topics of a sexual nature, you need to tread carefully and it needs to be done with tact. That's very important. Like don't just jump into the deep end with them. Like bring things up subtly and gently. And then that way you can gauge their reactions and you can go from there. Like you you really don't want to jump into the heavy stuff and risk a complete shock to the system for your partner. Like no Fifty Shades stuff or heavy porn stuff right off the bat. Start off light. See what they're open to. See what they're willing to talk about. See what it is that excites them. But talking about it first is really, really important. But I promise you this. I know it may be scary bringing these topics up, but if you do it slowly and gently, bit by bit, take baby steps. Once, once you can embrace your vulnerability and your fear around opening up these conversations, you'll be surprised at how much more connected you will become. Because it's not just of a sexual nature. It's of an intimate nature. And intimacy isn't always just sex. It's just about becoming closer and sharing fears with each other. And sharing laughs with each other. And like I said earlier, trust me on this. You bring out a Kama Sutra book, you're going to have a laugh together. You really will. But do go gently, start off slow, and always, always gauge your partner's response to certain topics of conversation or certain pictures or certain ideas. Take the baby steps, start slow, and then go from there. Not the heavy stuff straight off the bat. And speaking of the heavy stuff, that brings me on to my next topic of porn and how it can impact our sexual relationships. When it comes to porn, it's a... Again, a very taboo topic. And again, something that I feel needs to be talked about. 
when it comes to porn, there's an awful lot of unrealistic expectations that are put on people. Now, I'm not here to bash porn. I'm not a porn basher. I have watched porn in the past myself. I'm not, personally, I'm not a huge fan of porn. It would depend on the porn. I would not be one to watch it by myself. I have watched it with partners in the past. And it would depend on the type of porn. And there's so many different types of porn out there. There, There's some real weird fetish stuff. Then there is your standard guy on girl porn. Then there's your girl on girl porn. Then there's your threesome porn. Then there's your orgy porn. Then there is some classy porn. There is some artsy porn. There is a whole range of porn out there. I'm saying porn an awful lot, I know. But uh, when it comes to porn and how it can affect our intimate relationships, it can go one of two ways. It can it can help our relationships or it can hinder our relationships. All depending on what your relationship with porn actually is. So for adults, the people listening right now, it's... Like I said, it depends on what your relationship is with porn or what your partner's relationship is with porn. For a lot of people, and a lot of men particularly, and again, I'm not man bashing here. These are just statistics. It is predominantly men who watch porn. Yes, women watch porn too, but predominantly men who watch porn. And your say your standard guy-on-girl porn can be quite aggressive. And with that comes an expectation of what it is women like, when in fact that's not actually accurate. Now I understand for a lot of people that it's literally just a a quick fix so that they can become aroused and get off from it. But then there is a, a quite a large demographic that the more you watch, the more it actually hinders your intimate relationships because you can't actually get off without watching it. And again, predominantly men, but this does go for women also. So looking at why or how it is that you're using porn. Are you using it for a quick fix or has it become a, a tool or your only tool for you to be able to get pleasure from? And then asking the question, why is that? Is it being used as a self-flagellation method? Is there guilt surrounding it? Is there shame surrounding it? Is it that you can no longer connect with your partner so you are now using porn just to get off? Is it an escapism? There are so many questions around that. But when it comes to porn and the accessibility of it now, especially with our younger generation, it does worry me slightly. Now again, these are just my opinions and also some research and everything that I've done but I would be for me I worry about what porn is doing for our younger generation 
because I remember what my sex ed was like. We had no sex education. We were told, don't have sex until you're married and that's it. Now, to be fair, one of my teachers did try and go into it a bit more, but we were teenagers and teenagers don't listen to adults. They just don't. So my worry is that our younger generation are are watching porn further sex further sex education and it's so accessible now they all have smartphones type something in and they're getting whatever and when it comes to porn like i said there are so many different types of porn but your standard porn is guy on girl and it it is quite aggressive and it's always for the male part's pleasure and what's happening then is Young boys are learning this is how women want to be treated with sex. They want to be dominated. They want to be held down. And there's no such thing as intimacy. And then what our girls are learning is that they have to be the point of pleasure for a man. They're learning to stay quiet, to do what the man says and let that be that. It's all about, in porn, it's predominantly about the male part's pleasure. There's a huge gap when it comes to porn and reality and unfortunately our younger generation are learning this and thinking that this is what sex and intimate relationships actually are. And that is my worry going forward. That we need to have better sex education in our school systems. It shouldn't be about don't have sex until you're married. Or wear, or just wear a condom so that you don't get pregnant. It should be about what is intimacy and what is a loving relationship. And what it means to actually have sex. It's not just about procreation, it is about a connection. And I feel our younger generation are lacking that, unfortunately, because they're learning through porn. And then, unfortunately, again, when it comes to the exposure of it, the more exposure there is to it, the more a want there is for it. Like porn addiction is actually huge at the moment. People don't realise how big porn addiction is and the implications it has on people's lives. They become completely obsessed and need to watch it hourly, every two, three hours just to get off because it it's when you look at when you look at sex and you look at the endorphins that are released and that's through sex or masturbation, you're looking at your dopamine, your serotonin and your oxytocin. And these are all fantastic hormones that are released. But when it's been released through watching porn, that addiction becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. So it's learning the difference between am I enjoying this porn for the moment or is it because I need this to get that surge of happy hormones? 
and then as well like looking at porn from a positive point of view like it can be used in in relationships it can be used between couples watching it just to bring a little bit of excitement into a relationship if you want to bring that spark back if you wanted to try something different watching porn together is it can be a fun exciting thing depending on what type of porn it is that you're watching or what type of porn it is that you're into like you'd be surprised how how many women actually watch porn 70% of women watch porn but they don't speak about it openly and when it come comes to women they they're predominantly into girl on girl porn and the reason for this is because it's not an aggressive porn and it's more intimate than the guy on girl porn but you can bring it into your relationship if it's something that you want to try together like i said earlier like i have watched porn in the past with partners and yeah it's it's fun it's exciting it's something different but personally for me i have a I have a two-sided, it's a two-sided coin. It, it can be fun, it can be exciting, but then for me in the back of my head, I'm always thinking, what is it that has put this person in the position to put themselves out there like this in a sexual manner, in a vulnerable way? And this, again, is just personal opinion because for me, when I'm looking at sex, it's a very sacred act and I always feel that there is a disconnect between somebody emotionally when they are putting themselves in that position I feel it's not just that I feel I've also looked into this a lot there predominantly some sort of trauma that has happened to somebody at a very young age that has pushed them to go down into into the line of sex work um i'm again i'm not judging anybody that goes into the the lines of sex work i'm not judging at all um for me i think we're all human beings and we all do what we do for whatever reasons that we do them and but that's one of the reasons why i don't fully enjoy porn because that's always in the back of my head i'm looking at it from a different perspective and yeah look there were times when, yeah, it's, it's somewhat enjoyable and it's dependent on the type. But it's um, it's something that I find, it, like I said, it's a two-sided coin for me personally. But I do think that when it comes to porn and porn culture, especially in the world that we're living in right now, we do need to be quite mindful of it with our younger generation. And I think we need to educate our younger generation and our teenagers when it comes to sex and when it comes to intimacy because we don't want them learning how to have sex or learning what an intimate relationship is through something that's not real because porn is not real and people who work in the sex industry will say this themselves it's not real it's a job for them they're not getting pleasure from it they're going in and they're doing their job and their duty it's not a real thing so I do feel that we need to educate the younger generation around it simply so they know how to treat each other when it comes to intimate relationships and to teach them that 
intimacy isn't just about sex. It's about a whole range of things. But it's about communication, respect, and holding space for each other. Without the expectation of just coming at the end. I think it's really important to teach our younger generation that. Forget about the whole no sex before marriage thing. Forget about just wear a condom. Yes, wear a condom. I'm all for that. We need to have sexual health awareness. But there's a deeper lesson in there for our younger generation. I feel personally. Because if not, if these lessons aren't taught, then we're looking at the likes of blurring the lines of consent and we need to teach them at a younger age now so that they know what consent actually means for when they're older and that brings me on to my next topic of sexual violence sexual assault and sexual abuse i'm not saying porn is a contributor to that it's not at all What I'm saying is that we need to teach our younger generation what sex and intimacy is from a real life perspective so that they know what it is. And we also need to teach them about consent so that they know how to move forward in a healthy, safe way. So I feel sexual violence is a topic that really needs to be discussed. Sexual violence, sexual assault, sexual abuse, rape. These are topics that need to be talked about, especially now. Like, yes, there is a big Me Too movement and everything with Weinstein and all the big Hollywood guys. Finally, things are coming out and they're being put into the open. But even with all that, there is still an awful lot of fear and shame for women because they're put on trial. And also men, there's an awful lot of fear and shame for men who have been sexually assaulted in any way, shape or form. And they're put on trial. And that's something that bothers me a lot is that when people come forward the person who this has happened to is the one who's put on trial. I remember following the Belfast case and that was, was that a couple of years ago now? I think it was 2018. And the evidence that was brought forward was all circumstantial. But when you really looked at the facts, I'm not going to put my opinion on it here, but what I will say is just look at the facts. Look at the scenario, look at the situation, look at the setting. Everybody makes up their own mind around that. But when it comes to sexual abuse even in 2020 it is a very real thing 
And there are different types of sexual abuse and different types of sexual violence and different types of sexual manipulation and different types of rape. Like there's sexual abuse in the workplace, on the street, in the pubs, unwanted attention, unwanted touching, unwanted words. And these are all valid. And this is for both men and women. I have a male friend who has been sexually abused in work through the job that he does. And he has been sexually abused by women and also by men. Now he's a big lad and can stand up for himself and he's put them in their place. But it's not just confined to women, it's also with men. And it's knowing what the boundaries are. And I think we need to, we need to talk about those boundaries and we need to teach people what those boundaries are. That any sort of sexual advancement is, if it's unwarranted, needs to be said so. But I also think people just need to have some cop on when they're out in public situations or public settings and know what is appropriate and what's not appropriate. Have a laugh, have a bit of a flirt if it's reciprocated. But know the difference when somebody feels uncomfortable and know when to have respect for each other be you male or female but because my audience is predominantly female I'm going to be speaking mainly to the females right now so like I said there are different types of sexual assault and abuse and violence so like I said the sexual abuse in the workplace or on the street or in the pubs then there's also spousal rape or intimate relationship sexual violence this is something that's more common than people realise. And it, it was only in the mid to late 90s that it was recognised as an actual thing. And it's only been in the last few years where it, I think in the last two, three years, where it's now a, an offence that can be prosecuted. Spousal rape and intimate relationship rape is where one partner takes advantage of another partner with without their consent, even though the wife or husband would say no because they were married or in an intimate relationship it didn't class it wasn't classed as rape in the past. simply because they were in a relationship but when it comes to intimate relationships sexual violence or sexual assault or sexual abuse a lot of it is down to there's a huge degree of sexual manipulation and emotional manipulation and it's knowing when it's it's knowing when the person has been 
manipulated over a long period of time. But the thing is with these with these scenarios it can be quite complex because the person who goes through it is is groomed, should we say, over a long period of time and they're also conditioned. There's a slow, subtle conditioning of the subconscious mind that happens over a long period of time that when this is happening continuously it becomes the norm for someone so it's learning to recognize what is okay and what's not okay and with that is where the topic of consent comes in and consent is when somebody says yes and that is consent and even when in the middle of an act of the act someone says no or someone says stop you stop that is consent there's a great analogy that i saw uh, a long time ago was if someone comes over to your house and you offer them a cup of tea and they say no and you get offended and you keep forcing the cup of tea at them and literally holding their nose and pouring the cup of tea down their throat think of that like sex that is classed as coercion and the more somebody is pushing that cup of tea down your throat the more fearful or whatever somebody becomes or polite even because in today's society you need to be polite so you don't offend somebody because of political correctness when it comes to sexual safety fuck politeness i'm sorry for the language but you just have to say fuck politeness because it is your sexual safety and it is your sexual health and it is your emotional well-being when it comes to consent it's a matter of putting down boundaries or putting up boundaries and putting down guidelines be you with a a one night stand or somebody that you're just kissing in a pub or be it in a relationship you need to tell your partner in a relationship if you don't want to have an intimate relationship on a night if you don't want to have sex you say I don't want to have sex tonight and they have to respect that the minute that that's not respected that's the minute that a boundary has been crossed and with that boundary being crossed you know something has gone wrong or something has been violated a trust has been violated there and when it comes to intimate relationship sexual abuse a lot of the time it is down to that emotional manipulation so the likes of if you say no or if you don't want it then the silent treatment is given for a few days or there's a lot of anger or something along those lines that's when there there's a red flag there and that's when you go and you actually seek solace from somebody that you trust and you seek advice 
or you even ring a helpline just to know where you stand and to know what to do because with emotional manipulation it is quite a it's it's a maze and like I said it's a slow conditioning of the subconscious mind so it's knowing where that line has been crossed and it can be hard for women who are in those relationships or in those situations when this is happening because it's happening so slowly and then they've been conditioned so if you are somebody that is in a relationship like that now is the time where you reach out to someone and and you you seek advice on what it is that's right or what's not right because it, it can become a cycle and you you're not quite sure of what's real and what's not where the the line of reality ends because with emotional manipulation it there is a huge element of um of twisting of words and and thoughts and what it is that your mind actually is is perceiving um for a lot of women who go through this they they feel like they're they've gone crazy it's it's the main theme which i would see in clinic is that feeling of they've gone crazy they don't know what's real and what's not real anymore so it's knowing where those lines are and knowing what the what the line of consent is and then there's also different types of rape there's what we see in the movies that aggressive attack from an unknown assailant whereas predominantly and statistically it's actually people that you know who will who will do this and that's the problem when it comes to movies in Hollywood it's it's always a an unknown assailant that is the that is the rapist um when predominantly that's not actually the case and again this ties back to the likes of the consent and the emotional manipulation and whatnot but they're even within or with somebody that you would you would have known previously there are different types there is an aggressive rape or else there is that slow conditioning of the mind and then there is the response to that so you have your fight flight or freeze predominantly with women when it comes to an unknown assailant it will be a fight or flight you will fight back or you will run but then when it comes to somebody that you know there is a freeze element and again that's down to that social politeness and not knowing what to do but then as well it it can be just your innate conditioning of I'm going to freeze I'm going to play dead and I'm going to shut shut off my emotions and for a lot of women that is what happens the one thing I will say with that is because there are two types not even two there's a few types but with those different types comes different emotions and different levels of shame and guilt and lack of self-worth post incident and what I will say is that in any scenario in any situation it's never 
ever your fault. Even if you don't say no, but if you don't say yes, yes is the consent. So if you are, or if you feel like you are coerced into it, but you go into a freeze state, but you have given off the signals of not wanting it, then that is an element of, or not an element of, but that is also you saying no, because you didn't say yes. The only time it's allowed is when you say yes. And then when it comes to sexual assault, abuse, rape, the the different emotions that come up afterwards. Predominantly it's shame. And there are different levels of shame. There's different levels of shame around sexual assault. When it comes to women who've been raped by partners or women who have gone into a free state and just lay there, they tend to have two types of shame. Um, When it comes to women who have been in an aggressive, violent attack by somebody that they don't know an an unknown assailant, there's typically one type of shame, that type of shame of being violated, that violation of your yoni, of your sexual region, of your most intimate area. Predominantly for women who have had an aggressive assault by an unknown assailant, tend to fight back they go into the the fight or flight so they have a sense of that they fought back but they still have a shame over the violation and then when it comes to women who have had spousal rape or intimate relationship sexual violence there is the two types again there's that one type of that violation of the violation of the yoni of of their most intimate areas and then there's the second shame of it was their fault because they didn't fight back and that's that's where a lot of problems can can come because there is a sense of it was their own fault whereas what I will say is that it's never your fault like I said earlier, when it comes to consent, even if there is a an emotional manipulation over a period of time, it's never your fault. Unless you say, yes, I want this to happen, then that's a violation. But for a lot of women, it is something that they need to, to work through, is the that those two types of shame, the, the violation, and the self-blame. And it can be hard to work through, but it can be worked through. It'll take time, but you will get there. And then over time, you will find that you will have, still have 
a sexual desire and for a lot of women that can be a strange a strange scenario they can get a lot of guilt around it not even guilt they get uh, confused or conflicting feelings around it because they have gone through some situation or situations and but they still have sexual wants desires and needs and crave intimate partnerships but that's normal it's okay to still want to have sex even if you have had some sort of sexual trauma because it is within your it's within your innate self it's who you are still as a woman being sexual is okay there's nothing wrong with being sexual even if there has been a sexual violation for a lot of women who've gone through any sort of sexual trauma there is an element of PTSD and it's learning to realize what your triggers are when it comes to that and learning to put your boundaries up and learning not just your boundaries but learning what's okay and what's not okay for you it's okay to still want to have sex and it's okay to still want to have pleasure you shouldn't feel ashamed for still wanting to have pleasure after some sort of sexual abuse has happened because it is a part of life what I will say is that it is an area that you need to work on you need to talk to someone on you need to work with somebody on and work through the emotion the emotions because if you start if you start burying all those emotions that's when problems are going to arise and that's where you're going to get blockages and you're not going to be able to move forward talking about it is one of the hardest things that you can do but it's one of the best things that you can do the more you speak about it and this is this is fact this is science this is research this is everything the more you speak about uh, an area where you have post-traumatic stress disorder with especially around sexual abuse the more you speak about it the less it becomes your story needs to be told it needs to be told in a safe space it needs to be told in a safe environment and with a safe person not everybody needs to hear your story but you need to tell it you need to speak it because that takes the power away and it also validates what actually happened especially for women who have been in not especially for women for every woman who has had any sort of sexual violence or abuse or trauma but for women who have had spousal or intimate relationship abuse it needs to be spoken about because of the slow manipulation of the mind and it's very important for you to know that what happened actually happened and it's very important for you to acknowledge what happened by doing that you can move through it and you can move forward with it so for any woman who has gone through anything like this I would suggest going to someone and speaking to somebody about it and telling your story to someone because it's it is very very important and not important for anybody else but important for you to be able to move through it and to feel the emotions work through the emotions 
and move on with your life and live your life fully to not let some act which you may feel has tainted you it hasn't tainted you that is again another word that I hear quite a lot you haven't been tainted you have been challenged in a way and it's about moving through that and moving forward with it and seeing where your life can take you next it's never acceptable for anything like that to happen but it's what you do with it afterwards you can let it define you or you can define your own life from it and knowing that it was never your fault you always have to remember that it was never your fault and also remembering that it's okay to have sexual desires post-trauma because it's life and once you work through things and once you heal through things you can enjoy sex again and you can enjoy intimate relationships again it may be hard to trust people or to let anybody in but you will get there over time but it's letting yourself feel certain things and not letting the shame guide your life because yes these emotions may be there but you can learn an awful lot about who you are at your core through these emotions and you can also realize how strong you actually are as a human being so do reach out to someone talk to someone I'm building new life for yourself from any sort of situation. So that's this week's episode on sex part two. I know it was a bit heavy and I know it was a bit deep, but these are areas that I feel do need to be spoken about and talked about and open up a conversation around in clinic on Instagram every I see these things everywhere and I hear about these stories a lot and I do as much research and study into them as I possibly can and I hope that this has helped in some way I hope it has connected with someone on some level if they need it and I hope, I hope it's given you a bit of power back because you are a powerful woman or man, whoever is listening. So for now, happy weekend, happy hormones and much love.